Welcome to Coffee Shop Chats. I am Finch, and this is the podcast where I sit down with other podcasters to talk about their shows. With me today is Izzy, the creator of the Actual Play podcast, Hope's Hearth, if you want to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Izzy. I use sincere pronouns. You can find me online on Tumblr at lotsadeer.tumblr.com. You can find Hope's Hearth at Hope's Hearth Pod on Tumblr. The Twitters are dead to us. Uh, you can also find the other podcast I do at Abbey Archives, uh, which is a Redwall reread podcast, uh, as well as I'm on Cauterized as Naomi and Colchis as Dr. Remnant whenever it comes out. <laughs> Oh, and I do the SCP Research Archives podcast. <laughs> so many podcasts. So many exciting things. So many great things. <laughs> and I'm not the creator of Hope's Hearth. Uh, I was the one who came up with the original idea, but it is a full collaboration between the four of us. We all have like equal control over the podcast, the games we choose, what we do. Group creation. Yeah, it's big collaborative effort. Uh, I typically get touted as the leader since I'm the one who started it, but I do not put myself in that role because if I do, I will have a fucking anxiety attack. That That's very fair. And I also started, uh, just to round out my intro, I started the podcast collective Hearthside Enclave. It's 2023, make the podcasts you want to see in the world just a, a queer collective of podcasts it's not like a podcast network it's just kind of we're all gay and we're all tired and we want to make the <laughs> fun things we want to see in the world and it's just that kind of collection of podcasts and it's mostly the podcasts that i'm part of <laughs> uh anyway that's uh, that uh i do art also um <laughs> they're done intro done <laughs> All right. So if we want to get into our, our very long list of questions now, which yes. all of our questions are sent in from the members of the Podcast Book Club Discord server. Yes, yes, yes. So some of which them are definitely a little join. off the wall, but uh, yeah, you should join. You should join the server. To be fair, I asked for off the wall questions. <laughs> I wanted them. No, they're I great. I'm excited them. about them. I'm very excited about them. <laughs> I'm also. We're, we're going to start off with some not crazy ones. A, a good beginner go question. <laughs> yeah. What was your entry into the podcasting world? Um, so my first podcast was Welcome to Night Vale. It is a lot of people, especially those Classic. of us who were on Tumblr in like 2014, were really like we all got into Welcome to Night Vale at like the same time. It was my introduction to podcasts, my introduction to like audio fiction beyond like audiobooks and like radio plays which i hadn't consumed a lot of but i knew they existed but podcasts i'd always assumed were like joe rogan bullshit right <laughs> uh but then right. like welcome to night vale came along and i was like oh this is like this is my shit and then i based my entire personality on it for the next like five years as did many people on tumblr yes i i cosplayed cecil i my my fursona uh you want to know the reason why my fursona is purple <laughs> Welcome to Night Vale. It used to be purple, like a purple deer with yellow eyes. Very on brand. Yeah, I have since changed it. I am, I have a brand. <laughs> That's great. I love that. Yeah. Um, after that, like, I didn't really get into any other podcasts for the most part. I think, yeah, I didn't even listen to Alice Isn't Dead until after I had listened to the Adventure Zone Balance because I started, a bunch of friends of mine got into the Adventure Zone, and so I started listening to the Adventure Zone. And then from there, I started listening to Mabim Bam. And then from there, I just started listening to a lot of other podcasts, because I started working night shift at my current job. And let me tell you, it is boring. <laughs> oh, you have, you have so much time to listen. I've listened... You've seen my podcast recommendations yeah. <laughs> list, which is, it's pinned in the server. Um, it is long, and it's not even all of the podcasts I've listened to. And then from there, I started listening to, like, Friends at the Table, um, an actual play that I highly recommend, which actually, for those of you who uh, listen to The Adventure Zone, Friends at the Table inspired Griffin to start doing The Adventure Zone. It's, it's uh, the, the way that podcasts are kind of incestuous is kind of great and fun. Um, and then I listened, started listening to, like, my friend's podcast, Follow the Leader, by my friend August, as well as a bunch of their friends, 
who I've now become friends with, uh, and then started listening to The Room Where It Happened, and from The Room Where It Happened, Hope's Hearth spawned. Okay. Yeah, that's that was yeah, going to be my next question, timeline. how you made the jump from <laughs> listening to creating, but it seemed like it was pretty a pretty smooth transition was, there. Honestly, like I was listening to all my friends have so much fun making these and like I was playing yeah. tabletop games with my friends already and I, finally I was just like I want to do this also. I want to be part of this world. I want to do this. So I asked my friend Dirk, I asked my friend Will, and I asked my friend Malia and I was like, "Hey, do you guys want to make a podcast? <laughs> the, <angel laughs> the podcast question. mind's voice. Hey, hey, you want to make a podcast? <laughs> I don't know, gee, I don't know. What would it be about? <laughs> well, you see, we're going to make an actual play podcast uh, where we get to be as gay as possible. <laughs> Honestly, what more do you need? Right? That's really just the standard. <laughs> All podcasts should be queerer, in my opinion. I, I absolutely agree. If you're not being queer and if you don't have kisses on <laughs> quote unquote screen, you're cowards. So true. And then Abbey Archives was made because, uh, again, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, my friend Danielle, who was from the room where it happened, and my friend Jade, who is from Follow the Leader, started doing their Animorphs uh, book analysis podcast, The Escafil Files. Highly recommend it. Not just because I've been on it multiple times. <laughs> There's actually one entire episode where I wasn't even actually on it. I just happened to be in the same room while they were doing the episode and reacting. You can hear me in the That's background so losing my shit. It's very funny. You're an Easter egg. We're all egg. at Thanksgiving. I am an Easter egg. There's a piece of art I did that has me in it as well that's based on that episode. <laughs> um but uh, Abby Archives happened because they were doing that. And me and my friend Kit, who Kit doesn't do any other podcasts. She's just a friend I've had for a long time. And we both really like the Redwall series. We grew up with it. So we were like, what if we did this? And there's a few other Redwall podcasts out there. Uh, but I think we're the most in-depth analysis one. Yeah. Because um, our the books have taken like nine to 12 episodes each. <laughs> The Radwall books deserve it, and they're honestly, they're really good. Um, we just finished on, as of this recording yesterday, uh, finished Martin the Warrior, and the next book we're going to read is The Bellmaker. We're moving in publication order, not chronological, because fuck chronological. That's so exciting. Yeah. Uh, Colchis was a whim. Let me tell you how Colchis happened. So I had been wanting to make an audio drama for a while. I'd had another idea that I had started writing, but I couldn't figure out how to make it happen. Uh, I was struggling with it because I really liked the idea, but I couldn't figure out how to get from point A to point Z, right? Like beginning to end. I didn't have a clear outline. Yeah. And so it kind of like shelved that idea. Uh, and then um, the podcast mind's there, but for the grace of pod go we... Uh, is the full title of that podcast, which is a uh, a podcast that makes fake pod... Like, they come up with, like, a podcast ideas. It's very funny. Um, they had... They got a, a suggestion from somebody about doing, like, a, a podcast-making jam. You know how, like, uh, people on, like, itch.io will do, like, game jams, right? Where they write all yeah. kinds of games. That, but for podcasts... Um, Which is intense. Oh, man, yeah. We had... Basically, you signed up. You were paired with a random other person, right? So it would be pairs. Because it was supposed to kind of be like the podcast of mine, it's two hosts. A lot of shows have two hosts. That's right. kind of the thing. Um, so we were paired up with a random person. And we had two weeks to write, record, and edit a podcast episode. Just one. Um the first episode, the pilot episode, whatever you wanted to call it, just one episode. And so I got paired up with uh, my now friend, but I did not know fair previously, many, um, M-A-N-Y. And we both realized that one, we had a shit fuck ton in common, uh, both being uh, plural systems, as well as like a lot of other shit. And we were like, so we're writing a sci-fi podcast, right? <laughs> 
and naturally it it snowballed we wrote the pilot episode in like no time flat recorded it edited it i think we were like the third or fourth out of like 25 entries to submit we were like and we were only one of two you were on top audio of dramas we were one of two audio dramas. The other one being a, uh, you know, how on Tumblr and Twitter, like making like woke modern Jerry Seinfeld has been a thing. <laughs> yeah, it was that. But what if um, Frasier was all trans? Incredible. Trans Frasier, I swear to God, everybody <laughs> needs to go listen to Trans Frasier. That one episode of a podcast is so good. Um, my friend Dirk, like Dirk did that with uh, their partner, the person they got paired up with. Uh, it's extremely good. But we were the only one who, we were the only pair who did a fully original concept. Yeah. Which was great. It, it's a great thing to be called out specifically uh, <laughs> by the hosts of the podcast mind. Like we got two audio drama submissions what the fuck <laughs> it was great work um, great under pressure create great things you know yeah and me and many decided that we wanted to make it into a full-blown podcast because we really like the idea we wanted to tell the yeah. story we wanted to include uh some representation that we don't normally see uh for both ourselves and other people we brought in a friend of mine uh nichelle uh, at mistletoe t-rex uh, who does she does a lot of other like she does mostly like streaming and other games and stuff uh we brought her in to help us write as well as uh be a sensitivity reader and a voice actor because she's native alaskan and we were writing colchis's premise has two scientists coming to a new world that has uh eventually is going to be shown sapient life on it and we wanted to make sure that we weren't doing a fucking colonialism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you know how it go. Gotta um, be careful. Yeah. Yeah. So we're still working on Colchis. That one hasn't come out yet. Because um, we all have lives and low energy. And naturally, you, you know, we've recorded the we've re-recorded the pilot and recorded the first this not the first, but the second episode. Um so we've got those recorded uh, episode three is being written still <laughs> we're getting there but we have the outline for like three time. seasons <laughs> like 15 episodes each i think is what we decided on so it's gonna be fun it's gonna be good quite the project and then scp archives was just because i wanted to see not dudes reading scps That's, yeah fair enough yeah and i wanted to practice voice acting so um, cauterized I did not come up with that obviously I got uh, uh, pulled a uh, cat heard me heard me in the Colchis pilot and was like do you want to like taps fingers together do you <laughs> want to be on my podcast <laughs> it's extremely good I love cat all right so we'll move on to our next question what's your favorite and least favorite parts of podcasting so my favorite part is the recording itself, I think, um, because it's it, you can be even when you're reading lines for something, you can be goofy. You're allowed to mess up because like, it can all be edited. Right. Right. So like you, you can just have fun when we do Hope's Hearth, like the vast majority of what we record actually doesn't get cut. We don't do a blooper reel for that. It's we only ever edit out like small things or like breaks or if one of us does a massive gross noise <laughs> <laughs> uh the thing that i dislike is i actually i don't like doing a lot of audio editing um i am not that's why you leave hope's hearth uncut <laughs> The uncut thing actually wasn't my decision. When I'm editing the episodes, I'm actually a lot more brutal with yeah. my editing passes. Uh, Danielle, our audio editor, this is the same Danielle from the Escafo Files and uh, the room where it happened. They're our editor for the most part. We'll make notes like mid-recording. We'll be like, Danielle, can you do this? Danielle, please. We love you so much, <laughs> Danielle. <laughs> we adore Danielle. Danielle is the MVP Please uh, love and cherish your audio editors. That's true. People. I agree. They are the MVPs. The cornerstone. <laughs> Honestly. All right. So our next question. 
Who are your biggest creative inspirations? Uh, I have oh question my God. for the ages. Never ask me this question. <laughs> <laughs> so my friends are huge inspirations to me. Obviously, I tell my friends constantly that they inspire me uh, to make the things that I make. Uh, you, you've probably noticed in the book club server, like the art I've yeah. been posting has been for like other podcasts. Those are my friends' podcasts. Uh, I used to, when I first started listening to The Room Where It Happened, I made so much fan art for <laughs> that podcast um, because I was yeah. having so much fun and they were really inspiring me to draw and do creative things. And then they inspired me to make my own podcasts. Creativity inspires creativity. It does. It does. Outside of my own friends, I think Austin Walker from... Uh, originally Polygon and Waypoint and Vice, but uh, does Friends at the Table, does A More Civilized Age, which is a uh, Star Wars podcast. Um, he is a fantastic author and GM. And a lot of the stuff that he does, like I really, really take a lot of inspiration from like the way yeah. that he does world building and the way that he does, like, character, like, the intricacies of character interactions. Um, uh, again, I highly recommend Friends at the Table. <laughs> it's so good. He is fantastic. Um, and it, he came from games journalism, which is wild. Yeah. Um, let's see. Who else? I, I mean, Griffin McElroy, to a degree. Not as much anymore, because I haven't really been into the recent the more recent seasons of the adventure zone but like a lot of the stuff that griffin has done i think he inspires me more in the like ludicrous he's willing to do like not necessarily do ridiculous shit for views but like the stuff that he does has purpose yeah right and so like it's it's interesting to kind of like learn from him in that way um ursula k Le Guin's, uh work also uh, she's a phenomenal author. Um, Terry Pratchett. <laughs> uh, new Terry Good Pratchett. Answer. Great good, answer. Good. Always the best answer. Um, new Terry Pratchett. Um, fucking looking around my room now. <laughs> Cause I know there's others, Her but it's like 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> Um, brain goes out the window. Brain go burr. <laughs> um, I can't think of any more right now. Um, but there's there's <laughs> more. Like uh, we've talked about our inspirations before. A lot of like, yeah, fantasy stuff is an inspiration. Like Star Trek and Treasure Planet and things like that. Like other creations. Uh, have been big inspirations um as much as the movie is terrible and the premise of the entire franchise is terrible the james cameron avatar movies have fantastic <laughs> world building and creature design <laughs> i mean you're you're absolutely correct <laughs> they are objectively horribly horribly racist yeah but those creatures man but they look super cool. They look you know? so cool. Um, uh, Jay Eaton is an artist uh, online who does a lot of like speculative bi uh, biological fiction work with their uh, webcomic Runaway to the Stars that they're working on. Um, a lot of like speculative biology stuff is fantastic. Um, there's more that I could name, but I can't pull their names from my memory at the moment. Jay Eaton just comes up first uh, a lot of the times uh, just because they're they're really good. <laughs> yeah. I hate to say this, but it's true. Homestuck. <laughs> I've been reading Homestuck since shortly after it came out. So I've been uh, in the trenches of Homestuck for a long time. In the time. trenches. It used to be much easier to tell I was a Homestuck. Uh, the level of fuckor I would feel. The level <laughs> of fuckor I continue to feel. <laughs> Thankfully, no one's called me out on my uh, Hero of Time hoodie 
yet. Yet. It's only a matter <laughs> of time. People who know me have called me out on it, but I haven't had a stranger call me out on it yet. <laughs> Which is far more terrifying than somebody you know. Anyway. It's so much more terrifying. But yeah, um, Homestuck, like, not in so much uh, the media itself, but I think the creative community surrounding it helped influence a lot of what I do now. So I consider it an inspiration. It was big uh, in fandom. terms of like, yeah, yeah, fandom spaces for a long time. I mean, it's still culturally mm -hmm. significant within fandom. Mm -hmm. So, yep. <laughs> as much as everybody loves to hate it, you know, gotta uh, yeah. respect uh, it. It has roots. its flaws. As do most things. Yeah. Is there a common theme found throughout all the content you create between podcasts and art? It's hard for me to pull at my own trope threads, you know? Yeah. Because I don't realize I'm doing it, right? Right. It's a, it's a thing that I don't realize I'm doing, but I think a lot Subconscious. of... Subconscious. Yeah, I think a lot of sense of identity is something that comes forward in a lot of my uh, fiction, because that's a thing that I've... I'm, right. I'm trans. I'm trans, non-binary. Um, that, that sense of finding who you are, what you are, and what that like means to you in the world... And how that affects how you interact with other people, as well as finding the people who accept you as you are. Right. Um, a, a character that I kind of think is really exemplified by that in Hope's Hearth is my character from the Galactic game, Heart Servine. He's a clone, a clone soldier from the fascist space empire. Shush, it's not Star Wars. <laughs> 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 but he's a clone, but he also has the ability to utilize the space between <laughs> the force. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, he has a lot of, like, huge self-identity issues that go throughout the entire game, as well as having to kind of come to terms with the, uh, the, the complexity of the people around him and how that kind of fits into the puzzle that is him. Right. And, like, he, I did that completely on accident with him. I, it wasn't something I was necessarily going for. Like, a little bit on the, the, the surface level, ah, uh, he's a clone who can utilize the, the, the force, right? Yeah. Like, that, that's, 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 like, such, like, oh, I'm so subtle. But then there were a lot more, like, the, the actual subtle things. The hidden That themes. I didn't realize I was doing. Yeah. Whereas, like, the characters that I tried to do it on purpose with, I don't always hit the mark because it's not something that I usually think about with my characters. It just kind of happens. Like Susie from the Los Arboles game, she's trans. I say that at yeah. the very end. She's trans. Um, she's a werewolf. She was turned into a werewolf in a frankly traumatic event in her life. And she's constantly struggling with that identity because of it. I think a lot of it goes back to the idea of like, you know, you always put a little piece of yourself into every character mm -hmm. you play and sometimes you don't even realize it until you're oh, looking back on it and it kind of hits you like a train <laughs> yeah there's been some games i've listened back to and i've been like you know why did i do this <laughs> <laughs> rhetorically why did i do this i know why i did it because <laughs> i'm me and uh, a, a theme that kind of comes up over and over in a lot of the things that I write, especially collaboratively, is found family. Listen, that's my bread and butter right there, baby. <laughs> no, absolutely. Mine too. Finding love and affection in, in unlikely places and, and finding beauty in the monstrous. I'm, I'm non-binary, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know what I'm about here, guys. <laughs> it's about the found family. <laughs> <laughs> it, and in the the more more, I'm not going to say it's subtle. It's about the monster fucking. Not at all subtle. <laughs> That's what the people want. I make hot monsters. You, you were on Tumblr. You're on Tumblr. You know. It's what the people want. All right. What's the etiquette around collabs and guests in podcasting? Do people usually invite first or do they reach out and ask to be invited? Does it have anything to do with how popular the respective podcasts are? Is there more or less a set format or does it depend entirely on the person you're contacting? Bit of a loaded question there. 
it's it's a lot of questions in one and I'm going to kind of wrap them all up in a in an unsatisfying answer which is it depends. Yeah. There like with any industry because that's when you start getting into collaboration it becomes more like an industry in that way despite the fact that podcasting is still kind of the wild west of media um there are still bits of it that are very kind of industry where you've got to make those connections and inroads all of the networking things networking you can't just rock up to somebody you don't know and be like ayo bitch want to be on my podcast (laughs) i can do that to my friends i have frequently done that to my friends a lot of my friends have guested on my podcast, but when I asked William A. Wellman if they wanted to guest on Hope's Hearth, I was very cordial. I messaged them on Discord. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, hey, would you like to guest on my actual play podcast? And they said yes, which is not a thing I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. All you can do is ask, to be fair. All you can do. Here's the thing. The worst thing they can do is say no. As long as you are polite and don't make a big deal out of them saying no or be fucking weird at them, the worst they can do is say no. So I can't tell you, like, I can't tell the the people who asked the question, I can't tell, like, the listeners and the other members of, like, the, the book club, like, that there's a standard set thing. Literally, just be cordial, be courteous, be polite, just ask, be straight up, don't couch it in flowery language, just be like, hey, hi, I'm blah blah from blah blah, would you like to be on my podcast? Yeah. Um, and you can provide, I do recommend providing, like, uh, like, links to, like, what you, whatever you think is your best episode, background stuff, like, your social media, so they know you're a real person and not <laughs> spam. but yeah the worst they can do is say no i do think a lot of the not really the issue but the point that comes with it is a lot of people see these bigger creators and Mm -hmm. are like oh no you know it's like they're really important so then if they do say yes it's just a really weird thing for the creator and for somebody who's you know in in a sense a fan Mm -hmm. of them Mm -hmm. to then be having a one-on-one conversation yeah we're people that's the biggest thing is something that I've had to kind of come to terms as a content. I'm not going to say content creator. I'm not going to call myself that as an artist <laughs> because making podcasts is an art. And it's something I've had to kind of come to terms to. It's like, I'm a person. I'm not bigger than other people. And these other people, they're also just people. Yeah. We're, we're just people. And like, it, it just comes down, honestly, for the vast majority of it, it comes down to scheduling. Right. So... If you come to them with an open schedule, you are more likely to get somebody who says yes. For the sake of having a question that did not have a set answer, I think that was an excellent answer. So props on that. Hell yeah. Doing my best. Um, what is your process for soundscaping? When recording, do you think of what sounds would be cool to add in and keep note? Or is it done exclusively <laughs> during the editing process? I'm sure this is like your dream question to, to answer. <laughs> um, so it's a little column A, a little of column B, right? Um, when I when we were doing Los Abroles, there was some sounds that I like immediately knew I kind of wanted. I wanted the like forest sound with like the the like cicadas and the shit ambience. like that. The, the ambiance of like the creaking trees, things like that. Like I wanted that. Uh, but like the the wolves howling, the branches snapping, and things like that were happening. I was coming up with those while I was doing the editing passes and making notes. Right. Um, I do not take notes uh, when <laughs> I. <laughs> this is if you listen to the entirety of Hope's Hearth, you will realize I am the worst note taker. <laughs> I am not the note taker of the group. That is actually Will and Malia. Uh, Dirk sometimes, but I am not a good note taker. The ADHD prevents me. And so a lot of times it's just having to rely on like what I remember I wanted in a certain scene. Or like if I forget, I I just come up with a new thing, right? Or I don't remember that I already thought of it and I just think of it again. (laughs) This is not the most efficient process. Uh, But I will say that if you are not editing your own episodes, Coming up with the soundscaping while you're editing is typically what happens. 
unless if you're writing a scripted podcast in which case a lot of the sound design actually comes from the script like in Colchis, we're including sound design as we're writing the script because we want to make sure that we remember what we want in certain places right. like in the pilot episode there's a lot of like um heavy like sci-fi door sounds and so like that's written into the script also like yeah. rocket noises it's very fun to like read the onomatopoeia out loud because uh, <laughs> we'll just start making rocket noises like to notate that part in the recording um so it depends on the kind of podcast you're doing and it just depends on how your brain works i think for me it is a little bit of thinking of it while we're recording or while i'm listening back to the audio and while i'm doing editing and a lot of times while i'm editing i'm like hunting down the specific sounds i want and, and chili i have a whole library of spooky forest sounds now very useful because <laughs> i've used them in multiple things all right now we've got some general questions mm -hmm. um what was the first tabletop game you played uh, so technically it was D and D five E classic, very classic. My dad was trying to run a game for me, one of my brothers, my mom, and some friends, um, at a local game store, local to my, uh, uh, the city I was raised in. Um, and that game lasted all of two sessions because <laughs> my brother decided to be a little shit and s deliberately set off every trap. And then he got mad when the lawful good paladin knocked his character out and stuffed him in a backpack. <laughs> the entire party uh, besides him agreed to do this. We were like, yeah, this yeah. is you keep setting disruptive. off the traps. <laughs> You're being disruptive. We're going to stuff you in a backpack. And he got mad about it, so we stopped playing. After that, um I think the next one that I really played was GURPS. Uh I think it's the something universal role play system. I don't remember what the G stands for. Um, which is a decent system. I liked it quite a lot. Um, I played that with some coworkers at my old job for uh, quite a few sessions, actually. My character. I love my character. I still have that character. I still use them. I had to stop playing with that group because I stopped working there. Uh, and I just wouldn't have the time because I was going to start working night right. shift. So, and then after that, I didn't really, I'm not much of a D&D &D person. I do play D&D &D now, but honestly, like after that, it was like, I just fucking yeeted myself into like indie tabletop games. <laughs> All of the indie and games. There's so many. I, there's so many and I cannot even remember the first one I started playing. I think it was Firebrands. Uh, mobile frame zero firebrands but i cannot be sure you've had an extensive uh collection growing since then so. oh my god the ttrpg folder on my computer is massive <laughs> <laughs> you don't even want to see my itch.io library <laughs> um all right what are your favorite types of characters oh <sighs> Characters That's a pretty that I broad play. question. Yeah, I'm going to go with characters I play and then characters that I like seeing other people play. Uh, so characters I play, I think my favorite types are, like I said before, I tend to play characters that are struggling with identity in some way. Yeah. Um, so a lot of my favorite kinds of characters are characters that kind of trend towards the monstrous, that feel like they have something about them that's unlovable. Um and are struggling with that, right? Captain right. Oyun is probably my best example of that. Uh, C is a pirate captain uh, who is very grouchy and doesn't like people. And throughout the course of um, our flotsam game, falls in love with Malia's character. Sounds very back to the, it, the found family trope. Extremely gay. <laughs> See, the thing is, is that Oyun had already gotten the found family thing. Like, that was right. not even a question. C is the captain of a pirate ship. C has an entire crew that is basically Seer family. Yeah. But Oyun didn't feel like C was 
able to be loved outside of a familial platonic sense. Right. Which has been a fun thing that if, like, I don't want to spoil a whole bunch for the podcast because there's, Olyun is one of the recurring characters, so there's a lot of, like, interwoven intricacies between Olyun and quite a few other characters. So I, I just like playing monstrous characters, <laughs> which is a broad term um, because monstrous can mean many things and come up in many different ways. And characters I like seeing other people play is I particularly like seeing uh, people play little shits. Valid. They're some of my favorite little guys. Uh, I just love a little guy. <laughs> <laughs> love a little guy. Love somebody who it takes no shit. And then if you give me a big buff lady, I am just, I'm done. I'm there. <laughs> I am all about that shit. Um, I also like smarmy assholes. Um, in the room where it happened, uh, Richard plays uh, Seshmir Narash, who is a blue dragonborn nor detective. Oh, man. Oh, he's great. I love him. He's awful, but like, not awful in like, I want to just inspect him like a bug awful. He's a smarmy asshole awful but like i forgive <laughs> I him for everything everything he's done wrong he actually <laughs> yes, did nothing wrong oh. believe it or not <laughs> he did nothing wrong <laughs> he did so many things wrong is the thing that's no that's truly the <laughs> they best type of character they, they they all committed war crimes and it's fine <laughs> so what tips can you give someone who wants to make a well-rounded character <laughs> <laughs> Don't overthink it and don't try to play into a trope specifically because then you're going to get a, a either when you overthink it, you're going to kind of accidentally flanderize your own character. Um, and for those of you who don't know, flanderization is the where where a character who was at one point deep and complex kind of flattens to the things that we know them for the most. It comes from Flanders from The Simpsons. Uh, because he used to be a very, very intricate character, and then he just kind of flattened out into being weird stereotype. what everybody thinks of when they think of him. Yeah, weird Christian dad stereotype. So, like, you don't want to flanderize your own character. Honestly, make the Mary Sue. <laughs> do it. Fucking do it. If you're having fun, you do it. You <laughs> will find... Yeah, if you're having fun, do it. Don't let, like, your fear of shame prevent you from posting cringe on main being um, cringe is fun you know <laughs> yeah because here's the thing uh when you first start playing a game or writing a story or anything like that your character isn't going to be well-rounded they're just starting it may not be the start of their life and it is not the start of their entire story but it is the start of their time with you you're still learning about the character, okay? And sometimes it takes a little while to really understand that character. So you don't need to worry about them being fully well-rounded when you first start with them. Because they're gonna grow and change the more you do things with them. Um, but it, it can take, for some characters, it can take a, a decade for yeah. them to become a well-rounded character. For other characters, it takes the, the course of a single game. And some characters you just have immediately, right? And other characters you may never get a proper grasp on, and it happens. So just make the character and go with it. See where it goes. <laughs> See where it goes. They're growing and changing as you learn more about them. Sometimes you don't realize that your character is a lightweight until uh, you put them in a situation with alcohol. The thing that happened in last week's uh, episode of Hope's Hearth. <laughs> <laughs> the things you find out about your characters can surprise even you yes exactly all right now we're gonna jump over to um some podcast specific questions so for the scp research archives what is your favorite scp um okay so my favorite SCP, and I cannot remember the number off the top of my head, but I do remember what is, the article is called, and it's The Old Man. I, th I Again, I cannot remember the number. Um, it's this, like, entity that looks like an old man who's, like, decomposing. Oh, that's cool. And he regularly breaks containment and kind of, like, 
captures researchers, anybody who's in the like uh, site. Right. Uh, he'll capture like a bunch of them and bring them into like this pocket dimension that looks like redacted um, <laughs> and like will play with them and like uh, like I like a cat right a cat playing with its prey <laughs> uh, and in cases of containment they have to lure him back to his containment cell with uh, like a d-class or something and then he like basically just consumes the d-class and then goes dormant for like months at a time and there's an scp tale about him about how he is the last of like the original sapient species on earth that hunted humans and did not consider us sapient and it's kind of like an explanation for why we're afraid of like the things that look kind of like the rake basically right you know that kind of deep-seated fear of the uncanny um, and I just, I really like that SCP because of the SCP tale that goes along with yeah. it. Um, cause on its own, the SCP itself is just, ah, this is just a, a messed up guy. <laughs> yeah. It's a messed up guy. Uh, but when you get the tales added in on top of them, you get a more in-depth look at these SCPs right. and they really bring out some things that you don't get with the articles right add some more dimension yeah they add a lot of dimension now if i wanted to pick one that is goofy i'm gonna say the vending machine classic it, it, the vending machine and the coffee machine are both classics the vending machine that just dispenses weird snacks and the coffee machine that can dispense you a cup of whatever liquid you put in like you know a cup of joe <laughs> dispensing one cup of liquefied joe <laughs> um and there's a lot of scps that i like uh like the corgi that is a a um subway transit for fairies <laughs> um the the origami dragons that are inside the the box yeah which makes me sad because it's such a sad SCP. Like it starts off so good and then it ends so sad. Tragedy is inescapable. Apparently, it, it is. Uh, and that's that. Like, there's a lot of super good ones out there. Love SCPs. There's a lot of good ones. I could name more. Uh, I won't. There's so many. We'll it seems night. just like endless. Like you could think you've like read there's all like of them, 7, and then there's thousand something of them now. An infinite amount. Because there's the because there's the joke SCPs, there's the ones that aren't official SCPs. Like, they haven't been numbered, right. but they've got, like, uh, the, like, temporary numbers and stuff. There's the tails. There's, like, extras. Oh, my God, I forgot one that is also my favorite. There's a Homestuck SCP. Of course there is. I love it. Okay, that. so it is these two, it is these two, like, uh, uh, like, AI, like, sapient AIs or uh, ACs, artificial consciousnesses, that that inhabit these two, like, planet-destroying machines that they have to work together in order to destroy a planet. But one of them discovers Tumblr <laughs> and then discovers Homestuck and gets so enamored with it that, and, and she, like, she, she chooses pronouns and everything. She picks a name for herself. She, she has, like, she draws art of herself and she, she looks like, um, uh, a cherub, like, uh, uh, Calliope. Um, and she, she falls in love with, with humanity through Homestuck. That's incredible. Convinces the other, the other, like, destructive satellite to not destroy this world by kind of drawing him into it and he's very sour and he he's very like logical very much like i we 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 don't have pronouns we don't have gender <laughs> we're we're machines uh but like he eventually just begrudgingly is like it makes her happy right it is such a good scp and i cannot remember the number for it this could have been an alternate ending of divisor this is this is what we could have had honestly <laughs> <laughs> we don't get that now we have some Hope's Hearth specific questions. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> my blurbos. Okay. What made you want to start a GM list actual play? Listening to my friends do actual plays. So the room where it happened is a GM actual play, right? None of us wanted to GM. 
Yeah, that happens. <laughs> that was the <laughs> biggest thing. Is none of us wanted to GM. None of us wanted to pick one game to play right for like a full season we wanted to play multiple games so we kind of looked at follow the leader which does that and we were like if you're on tumblr you know the two cakes logic (laughs) exactly so we were like two cakes because at first we were like oh man are we cribbing on their shit and then i can't remember if it was me or dirk but one of us went uh no two cakes and then august fucking one of the people who started follow the leader was like yeah two cakes (laughs) (laughs) y'all and so we were like okay well we're gonna play all of these gmless games that we want to play i will say in season three and going into season four because season three we're about to start posting the finale for it we have started doing gm games so we're not strictly gmless because we found quite a few like easily shorter campaign gm games that we can do uh, like Hungry Knolls Eat the Rich uh, by Z.W. Garth is a fantastic game. Um, it is exactly what you think it is. <laughs> and it's great. Uh, we played that and my girlfriend uh, Philo T. Hazard GM'd it for us. And we had uh, the game writer, uh, Zach, guest on it with us. Also, if you do an actual play podcast and you play a independent TTRPG, if you ask the author if they want to play nine times out of ten they'll say yes <laughs> they love their own game and they love that other people love they their sh- game you know do you know how badly i want to play some of my own games <laughs> i write them for me you are the target audience <laughs> i am the target audience yeah but yeah the the basically it boils down to we didn't at the time none of us wanted to gm something we didn't want to do long campaigns yeah big commitment it is and it's a lot of energy it's a lot of planning so we were like GMless games because we can knock those out in like one or two sessions, yeah. right? It usually takes us uh, two sessions to play like a game and we'll end up with two, three, maybe four episodes out of it. Um, a lot of games actually only take one session and then we usually get two one hour episodes out of it. Uh, so if you want to start a actual play podcast, go with the independent like GM list or like shorter easily able to do one-off campaign gm'd games um you'll have a bit of an easier time scheduling (laughs) (laughs) love short forms to storytelling same okay and then of the characters in los orborlis the arc we listened to on the uh, discord server who would you be in a stick sword fight who would you take out for milkshakes and who would you adopt like the found family trope come to life what a question Okay, so I would get into a stick sword fight with Sage, uh, and I would lose badly. I'm not good at sword fighting, uh, but I think that Sage and I would have fun with it. That's the whole point anyways. Because if it sticks, yeah, if it sticks, then Sage knows it's not deadly and doesn't have to kill me. Right, right, right. I would take Susie out for milkshakes because I want to date my own character. <laughs> Tragically, she is a lesbian. Um, <laughs> uh, so all, all of you sapphics out there, she's, she's your character, finger guns and a wink. <laughs> <laughs> and I would want to adopt Elgin immediately. Absolutely. Just, oh, they're, they're such a wet cat. We need more wet cat characters. I believe <laughs> we do. We do. There's quite a few in Hope's Hearth. Uh, it's very funny when the wet cat characters show up, um, <laughs> essentially make more wet cat characters is basically what i'm hearing we need more wet cats they should all be wet cats they should (laughs) all right and now we have the silly wild questions left over okay actually they're not now that i'm looking at it it's not that bad the first one on our list is what is your favorite animal which is far less insane than the other ones i have written down (laughs) (laughs) okay so this has multiple answers because I am a complex person All animals who cannot great. choose one animal. Typically, I default to saying deer, yeah, right? That, naturally. My fursona yeah. is a deer. My fursona is very specifically tufted deer, which is a type of uh, tusked deer. The deer that look like they've got fangs. Um, but like deer are one of my favorite animals. They're one of my special interests, but also flamingos, otters thylacines which i'm real basic for that one but i don't give a shit um <laughs> uh samoyeds 
the the dog breed. Yeah, they're great. They're great. Um, like I have a lot of animals that I very much like, but deer. Oh wait, I have a I have a less serious answer to this. Uh, my favorite animal is a Furby. Good answer. Excellent answer. Do Furbies even qualify as animals? I feel like they're more like. I don't know, some kind of weird alien. They're a mythological creature. That's, yeah, I'll accept that. I love Furbies. Um, I apologize to everybody who thinks they're creepy, but I love them very much. I think they're only creepy when you see the videos of um, the ones that, like, break and then just keep talking and you, like, can't shut them off. Oh, yeah, when they're, they're their like, speakers are <laughs> fucking up. Yeah, they sound haunted, but really it's... So there's a phenomenon that can happen with any electronic toy, which is even if you take the batteries out, if the batteries were in them for a, like quite a while, the toy can hold on to residual power. I would like to think that the toys are just gaining sentience, but I mean, you do you. I mean... Listen to science. Yeah. The, the scientific <laughs> explanation is they hold on to residual power and sometimes it'll turn them on a little bit. The thing with people thinking Furbies are haunted is they'll put them in a closet forget to take the batteries out and a lot of especially 1998 and 99 furbies are extremely sensitive to sound and light changes like extremely none of mine have batteries in them for this reason i would be woken up in the middle of the night um and so their little uh sensors and the microphones that pick up on sound will pick up on any noise and any change in light they're wild. They are wild. So yeah, Furbies. Furbies are my favorite <laughs> animal. <laughs> I'm giving you a weird answer for the least weird question out of the weird questions. In a similar vein, could consider it a follow-up question. What animal do you think is weird or scary? I feel like Furbies could also could also be an answer, depending on who you ask. Oh god. Uh tapers. Oh yeah. Tapers. I don't like them. I don't like them. I think they're weird. I, th- I they're not scary they're just weird one of those like creatures them. that you just look at and go like why i don't like that <laughs> i don't like that at all <laughs> scary is subjective yeah. um because i really like millipedes and centipedes cool little guys um to, to some cool little guys centipedes will bite you millipedes won't millipedes are like roly polies but long big roly poly basically big long roly-poly centipedes will bite you uh centipedes are just miniature taxons they'll bite you um and i think the animal that i find scary is tarantulas and not because i don't like them i love tarantulas i have a healthy respect for them and other spiders They scare the shit out of me. (laughs) (laughs) You respect them and you fear them. Yeah. Spiders, tarantulas, scorpions, bees, wasps. They all scare me. But I have a healthy respect and love them. (laughs) Like, I love wasps. I love wasps so much. What you do for the environment and that is where the the relationship ends. Yes. Uh, they, They eat pest bugs. Yeah. They're really good, and I love them, and I respect them. And if you don't respect them, they'll fuck you up. <laughs> but also, they scare me. They're they're good when they <laughs> do what they're supposed to and leave you alone in the process. Stay outside. Uh, palmetto. You know what? Palmetto bugs. Yeah. Uh, do you know what a palmetto bug is? I actually don't. So palmetto bug is like a big outside roach, okay. right? They're in the same family. Of roaches, like as roaches, they're just big and they live outside. Yeah, that sounds terrifying. Uh, and they can fly. Oh, yeah. And depending on where you live, they can be the size of your fucking hand. Yeah, I would not want to, like, you open the back door to take out the trash and that thing is sitting, like, on your doorstep. I'm closing the door. Yep, 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 yep. I hate them. Um, those are outside bugs. They stay outside. They're enemies. Uh, but they're, like, they're, they're not enemy enemies because they don't infest. Um... In our old apartment complex, they lived, there were, uh, the way that it worked is on the breezeways, there were metal, like the roof bits were metal and they lived in the metal. 
And any we knew when breeding season was done because there would just be so many of them. That's horrible. They would fly. And we would be like, <laughs> fuck this shit. Taking out the trash at night was an ordeal. Bugs, essentially. Bugs. Great answer. Some bugs I really like. Other bugs, the, the good bugs the you not. like, the scary bugs you respect and dislike. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty simple formula. Mm-hmm. And then tapers. And then tapers. And gibbons. But gibbons just have really long arms and they shouldn't have those. Little messed up creatures. Little messed up little guys. Okay. If you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? Um, I think, I think if I was going to be a tree. I would want to be an ash tree. They're very sturdy, hardwood. Um, if I ever got cut down, I would make great lumber for tool making or making like furniture uh, because it's a wood that doesn't um, like rot or wear easy. Uh, otherwise, I think I would want to be um, a horse apple tree or an Osage orange or, you know, those trees because you know when you see those little fences like out in the middle of nowhere that are like uh, you you wonder how the fuck is that still standing (laughs) because you think that wood absolutely has to be rotted and termite ridden but they're the sturdiest fucking fences in the world right yeah they're made from those trees uh they are rot and pest resistant um and they are a vestige from when megafauna roamed the americas because the fruit was eaten by, like, giant ground sloths. Yeah. And now they aren't really eaten by anything. That's a very logistical answer to just a, a wild question. Yeah. I like I like sturdy trees. I like to be a sturdy tree, which says something about me as a person um, that I'm not going to think about too hard. <laughs> just don't uh, unpack it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> just don't unpack it. Don't unpack it. Um, but also I like having answers that have, like, interesting facts behind them, you know? Yeah. Um, so, like, an Osage orange tree is, is, or an ash tree would be my two picks if I had to be a tree. Great picks. If I was a tree, would you still love me? <laughs> <laughs> that is a Tumblr post if I've ever heard one. <laughs> Who would win in a magical stick fight between you and your dog? Me. My dog's a fucking greyhound. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you, for those of you who don't know anything about greyhounds... They are anxious, anxious creatures, especially if they're retired racers, which mine is, um, that are, they are large dogs, but they're very thin. And while they are very fast, they run out of energy real quick. And mine doesn't understand how to hold things in his mouth. I would win. (laughs) So he would not be very good at the stick fight if he couldn't hold a stick. He would not. He would not be good at it. I would win. Uh, he can't even fetch. My dog also doesn't fetch. <laughs> he's a retriever. <laughs> oh, no. He failed at yeah, his one job. Yeah, he's not job. very good at being a retriever. He also doesn't like water. Like, uh, what? Are you the right breed of dog? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, Vito, that's the name of my dog. Uh, Vito does play tug-of-war, but he only plays tug-of-war with soft toys. So, like, a st- Dick fight? Yeah, I'd win. By default, essentially. Now, if it was against my cat, that's more debatable. <laughs> Cats will play dirty. Cats do play dirty. Your cat would just drop the stick and, like, jump at your face, you know? Yeah, he doesn't have front claws, though. Not our decision. Um, we adopted him like that. But he doesn't have front claws, so, like, he wouldn't do a whole ton of damage, but man, is he heavy. He the would knock factor. me over. Yeah. It, it would just turn into a wrestling match. It, it wouldn't would. even be a stick fight. And then anymore. he'd put all of his weight on his front paws on my titty and I would just lose. <laughs> okay, so you would beat your dog, lose to your cat. Yep. So our 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 final question here. And <laughs> what's your favorite weapon? And in the same question, what's the gayest weapon? <laughs> I was also told to answer this one, but I, I want to hear your answer. Uh right. okay, so my favorite weapon. Oh man. Um I am partial to like quarter staffs, I think. Uh, not that I'm particularly any good with them, but I think they are <laughs> an interesting weapon to give to a character. Yeah. 
because they require knowing, like, they're very long. They require knowing how much reach you have. Like, they re- they require some tactical thought to use. And they're not sharp, right? So they're not immediately lethal. Yeah. Um. So I think they're an interesting weapon to give to characters. Um, I used to have, like, a walking stick that I would kind of, like, whip around as though I were, like, using a quarterstaff. Uh, I was no good with it, and then I broke it on a tree, but it's fine. Oh, no. Now, the gayest weapon... The gayest weapon... Gotta put a lot of thought into this one. No, I've put thought into it before, and let (laughs) me tell you... I'm gonna get real close to the microphone on this one. It's a fucking sword. Yeah. (laughs) Let me tell y'all about the game Thirsty Sword Lesbians. Oh, man. It's exactly what it says on the tin. Excellent. It's such a good game. But yeah, did you ever want to feel the vibe of, like, tilts your rival's chin up with a sword? (laughs) Like, come on. Come on! So, my answer for this one... My, my like, go-to D&D class, right? Mm-hmm. Still always a ranger. It's basic, but, you yep. know, I gotta go with the bow and arrow as the favorite weapon. I, I feel that. It's it's classic. Tried and true. I play a um, hunter on World of Warcraft, so I feel that. Yeah. Love a bow and arrow. I'm actually gonna dispute your, your gayest weapon claim here. <gasps> like, lightheartedly. Okay, I I think, in in similar fashion, right, sword, I think a dagger is slightly more gayer because you can get so much more intimate yeah why are you like as a man getting that close to another man you know what i mean (laughs) so okay here's the thing here's the thing daggers are yaoi swords are yuri (laughs) okay we've reached a consensus then they're okay they're both swords and daggers you know it's just a two-for-one what is non-binary um it'd be like an axe or something yeah yeah. Different different flavor, same idea. No, because the axes belong to the bisexuals. Oh, yeah. Shit. Fuck. Shit. <laughs> what are other weapons? Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, there's always the spear. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I'm just going to say something that's going to make my friend Kit extremely happy. Um, It, it is a spear. Th- uh, like It's a spear, but it's it's a spear throwing device called an atlatl, uh, which is just a stick that you use to yeet another stick. Excellent. Yeah. That's the non-binary the weapon. Stick. The support stick. <laughs> That's our that is our non-binary weapon. Um I will not be taking notes. <laughs> I yes. mean, I think we've we've boiled it down to a science at this point. Daggers are MLM. Nobody can argue with us. We're just right. Swords are uh Wooloo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was all the the questiones. That was all the questions. Yeah, first I want to say thank you so much for coming on. This is so fun. Yeah. I'm very excited about this project, which, to be fair, only really started because of you. Because um, <laughs> you mentioned doing an interview to talk about podcasting. And then it, it's just becoming a whole thing now. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. And I'm glad I get to kickstart it with you. So thank you for that. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. I love talking about my own podcasts. Uh, <laughs> thank you for having me. This has been extremely fun. Um, I enjoy answering questions. I enjoy talking with you. Uh, I enjoy the book club. I joined it because I wanted to talk about like uh, all the podcasts I listened to. And then everybody was like, oh, you make podcasts? Let's listen to your podcast. <laughs> Let's I was like, talk oh, about uh, your yeah, okay. <laughs> it's my podcast. <laughs> Blurbo's from me podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing better than talking about podcasts is talking about your own podcast you know exactly <laughs> you get it <laughs> um i guess i will just kind of plug my shit again uh um, yeah go ahead you can you can find me on tumblr at lots of deer that is the only place online right now that you can find me beyond like discord i have a portfolio website which should be linked on my tumblr um i do art um i take commissions um and shit like that which you can find on my tumblr (laughs) 
you can find Hope's Hearth on and Abbey Archives and SCP Research Archives on the vast majority of podcatchers. I try and submit it to most of the more well-known ones, but if I've missed one, I'm sorry. Um, and you can find Hope's Hearth at Hope's Hearth Pod on Tumblr, Abbey Archives at Abbey Archives. SCP Research Archives does not have a Tumblr yet because I keep forgetting to make it. Um, it's fine. Colchis you can find on Tumblr at Colchis Pod. Um, it is not posted yet, but you can find the pilot episode in the Hope's Hearth feed or... It is one of like 25 of the podcast minds there, but for the grace of Podgo, we hundredth episodes. Um, uh, Cauterized's pilot, or not pilot, but trailer is uh, up on your podcaster of choice. I believe specifically Cat uh, has been plugging the Spotify feed. So yeah. Uh, oh, you can also find my games uh, on uh the Shondeer.itch.io. Uh, I have a few games I've written there. I think you can also find the Colchis pilot there. <laughs> <laughs> it's in a lot of places. Um, so yeah. Listen to all of the podcasts I recommended in this episode. <laughs> listen to all of them. Besides the mine. Including yours. Yes. You should also listen to mine. But like <laughs> we came here to talk about mine. You should also listen to those other podcasts. That, They're great. True. They're done by great people. This has been fun. Thank you. Thank you. This has been Coffee Shop Chats with Finch. Thank you so much to Izzy for coming and talking to me. And be sure to check out their podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy listening.